Well, good morning, Terwilliger Community Church. It's great to be with you this morning online. Um, This story in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus tells, when he invites us to look at the birds of the air and invites us to look at the lilies of the field, it's so familiar, isn't it? And we've already heard it in the kids' spotlight, and we already just had it read to us. And I want to continue immersing ourselves in this story uh, by reading it again for us from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, if you have young kids in your home, you probably have this Bible kicking around, especially if you're part of TCC. I know lots of these float around. But uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones, uh, who, who authored this, just does such a great job uh, with this story. So I have the pictures on the screen, and I just want to invite you to hear this story one more time, uh, hear this portion of scripture one more time read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. So let's jump into it. She calls it the singer. So wherever Jesus went, lots of people went to. They loved being near him. Old people, young people, all kinds of people came to see Jesus. Sick people, well people, happy people, sad people, and worried people. Lots of them worrying about all Lots of things. What if we don't have enough food or clothes? Or suppose we run out of money? What if there isn't enough and everything goes wrong and and we won't be all right? What then? When Jesus saw the people, his heart was filled with love for them. They were like a little flock of sheep that didn't have a shepherd to take care of them. So Jesus sat them down and he talked to them. The people sat quietly on the grassy mountainside and listened. From where they sat, they could see the blue lake glittering below them and little fishing boats coming in from a night's catch. The spring air was fresh and clear. See those birds over there, Jesus said. Everyone looked. Little sparrows were pecking at seeds along the stony path. Where do they get their food? Perhaps they have pantries all stocked up, cabinets full of food. Everyone laughed. Who's ever seen a bird with a bag of groceries? No, Jesus said, they don't need to worry about that because God knows what they need and he feeds them. And what about these wildflowers? Everyone looked. All around them were f- the flowers were growing. Anemones, daisies, pure white lilies. Where do they get their lovely clothes? Do they make them? Or do they go to work every day so they can buy them? Do they have closets full of clothes? Everyone laughed again. Who has ever seen a flower putting on a dress? No, Jesus said. They don't need to worry about that because God clothes them in royal robes of splendor. Not even a king is that well-dressed. They had never met a king, but as they gazed out over the lake, glittering and sparkling below them, the hillsides dressed in reds, purples, and golds, they felt a great burden lift from their hearts. They could not imagine anything more beautiful. Little flock, Jesus said, you are more important than the birds. More important than the flowers. The birds and the flowers don't sit and worry about things. And God doesn't want his children to worry either. God loves to look after the birds and the flowers and he loves to look after you. Jesus knew that God would always love and watch over the world he had made. Everything in it. Birds, flowers, trees, animals, everything, and most of all, his children. Even though people had forgotten, the birds and the flowers hadn't forgotten. They still knew their song. It was the song all of God's creation had sung to him from the very beginning. It was the song people's hearts were made to sing. 
God made us. God loves us. He is very pleased with us. It is why Jesus had come into the world to sing them that wonderful song, to sing it not only with his voice, but with his whole life so that God's children could remember it and join in and sing it too. Wow, what a great telling of this portion of scripture. And what a simple message, right? It's so simple. Don't worry. And as Sally Lloyd-Jones unpacks that for us, it's like, yeah, don't worry. But as I think about that simple message, I wonder to myself, why is it so hard for me to not worry? You know, it's very convicting this week because as I'm preparing a message titled, Do Not Worry, I find myself worrying. This is going to sound ridiculous, but this is my personality. Uh, With the cold snap coming, I was thinking I should probably plug in my car. Now, Jolene and I have a new vehicle that we got um, back in April or something like that. And so we've never plugged it in before. And so I start worrying. I'm like, does this car actually have a block heater? So I open up the hood and I can't find the block heater. I'm looking everywhere for the cable to plug in the car. I cannot find it. I'm worrying. And then I find it. It's like, yes, okay. So I pull it out and I'm like, well, does this thing work? And I start worrying about whether or not this thing's going to work. And I plug it in and I'm like, okay, I think it's working. And I was like, well, is this the block heater? Is this a cable for something else? And I start thinking about that. And as I'm leaving my garage, I'm like, what if it starts a fire? What if my car explodes in my garage during the middle of the night? And I'm just worrying. And I'm like, what's with this, you know? And this is my personality. I tend to worry. And as silly as maybe an example about a car is, I can think back to this past week and many conversations Jolene and I have had about COVID-19. We worry about how long this pandemic is going to last. We worry about how we should be interacting with our families and friends in this time. We find ourselves worrying about our mental health and the, the mental health of our two-year-old daughter who's, who's going through this pandemic and all of this stuff. And it's just... It's so easy to worry. So as I reflect on Jesus' words, it's like, well, yeah, 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 Jesus. Like, I know I'm not supposed to worry, but, but I do. I don't know about you, whether it's the global pandemic, the economy, whether it's your own health. It's so easy to worry. Or maybe you're less worried about yourself and you think to your children or your grandchildren or your good friends and you, maybe you worry about them and you kind of live under this refrain of, will I be okay? Will we be okay? Will they be okay? Will the world be okay? And it's so easy to worry. Well, this word worry in our passage in the NIV and NLT, it, it comes to us translated worry. The English Standard Version, which I'll be reading from this morning, is translating it anxiety. The, the King James Version translated, do not take one thought. Don't consider something too much. Eugene Peterson in the message translates it fussing. That was kind of funny. Don't fuss. So whether it's worry, anxiety, or fussing, Jesus is saying, don't. Don't. But I find that really hard. I don't know about you. This past week, I was playing with my two-year-old daughter in our basement, and she's playing with fake food and, you know, plastic food, which she's making cake, she's making lunch, she's feeding me and bringing me coffee, and it's wonderful. And I look at her, and not for one second does she wonder whether or not there'll be real food for her at supper time. Not for one second. 
And I watch her run around the house in her blue princess dress and laughing and jumping on the couch. And there's not a care in the world. And I look at her and it's like, come on, Libby, don't you know that there's a global pandemic going on? Don't you know that the economy is not doing well? Don't you know that there's lots to worry about? Of course, I don't say these things to my daughter. But I look at her and she knows nothing of worry. Why is that? Well, I wonder if for my daughter, she knows nothing of worry because she completely and fully trusts her mom and dad. She trusts us to feed her. She trusts us to take care of her. She trusts us to keep her safe. She knows nothing of worry. So when I turn my attention to Matthew chapter 6 this morning, I believe that Jesus is inviting you and I to have the perspective of a two-year-old. The perspective of a child who looks up at their father and for not one second wonders or doubts whether or not they'll be taken care of. That's what Jesus is calling us to here. And so while I believe that none of us have a problem understanding this instruction, we might have trouble living it out. And I want to say first that this is not about happy, clappy Christianity. (laughs) This isn't about, well, I'm a Christian, I'm not allowed to be worried, so everything's great, just put on a smile. It's not at all what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is not calling us to a posture of just pushing back and ignoring our worry. But rather, he's inviting us to see that worry itself is a practice. It's something we engage in. And so he is inviting us to engage in something else. He gives us the resources. So if worry is one practice, what are the counter practices? And if Jesus is saying, do not worry, what is he inviting us into? I believe that there are some things in this text that I'm going to highlight for us. I believe Jesus is calling us to. But first, I want us to look at verse 24, which, uh, depending on your Bible, there's probably a division here between 24 and 25, where they're they're separated in section. But um, but this would have been maybe the close of last week, but it also bridges us into this week, and it's very important. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So I think here Jesus is addressing for us this whole idea that it's easy for us to think we can serve both God and something else. Norb talked about this last week. And it's this idea that, you know, God can have my spiritual part of my life, but I want everything else. I'm going to serve God over here, but over here I'm going to serve myself. And Jesus is saying, well, you think that that works. It does not work. You'll either love one and hate the other, be devoted to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It doesn't work. And I believe Jesus links this to worry. Because when we try to live with a dual allegiance, when we try to unite our hearts to two different things, it does not work and it leads to worry. So in this, I believe we have the first practice that Jesus is calling us to. Do not worry, worship. Do not worry, worship. That's the first tool. And here I'm not talking about music. I think we need to understand that what we do on a Sunday morning and our singing, and it, like, it's so great and it is worship, but it's really, it should be a reflection of the way we live our lives all week. When we sing Christ is our cornerstone, when we sing it is well with my soul, it's not 
set to this one moment, but rather it is a declaration over our whole lives. Our worship is expressed in every single choice we make. And if our allegiance is divided between something else and God, it means we're giving our worship to something else and not to God. When we choose to pursue our own gain, in in that pursuit we are saying no to God. And Jesus is saying it doesn't work. It leads to worry. So this teaching of Jesus invites us to singular focus in our worship and in our allegiance. Because when we worship other things like money, worry is likely to follow. If we worship something like our reputation, we're, we're going to be so worried about what others see. If we worship something like influence, we're going to be so worried with the question of will I be enough? If we worship experiences, we're going to be worried about whether the next experience is going to be enough to satisfy us. If we worship our security, we're going to be constantly worrying about whether we have enough. If we worship our health, we're going to be worried about when we might get sick, if we will get sick. And Jesus is saying, do not worry. Worship. Have a single allegiance. Don't put money or influence or experience or security or any of these things before me. Put me first. This is reflected in Matthew 22 where Jesus gives the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment, what is it? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is a singular devotion going after him. So in this, I think that worship actually helps us in this worry thing. Because worry ends up revealing to us our idols. Worry reveals to us the things that we are prioritizing and putting before God. If we are finding it difficult to obey the commandment, do not worry, there's something that has become ultimate in our hearts. And I love a quote about idolatry, that it's taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. Again, money, resources, that's a good thing. We, we need a resources. God has blessed us with those. But when it becomes the ultimate thing, it takes the place of God in our lives. It becomes an idol. You want to battle worry? Have proper worship. So we come before God. We repent for the, for the idols we've set up in our lives. We confess of having set up idols in our lives. And we turn our attention from those idols back to God. We reorient our hearts. So that's the first tool. The second tool we see in the scripture is do not worry, but be filled with wonder. Do not worry, be filled with wonder. So Jesus jumps into his teaching and he asks this rhetorical question. Is not life more than food? This is verse 25. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Well, what's the answer to this? Of course. Of course my life is more than food and my body is more than clothing. Here Jesus is getting his disciples and the people listening to him to establish that they have value. You have value. And then Jesus goes on to give us these hilarious illustrations that I believe Sally Lloyd-Jones highlights so wonderfully. Right? To, to picture birds with shopping carts, right? It's like a bird with a shopping cart? That's so ridiculous. Exactly. 
Or, or a flower with a closet full of clothes. A flower with clothing? Putting on clothes? That's so ridiculous. Exactly. But having established your value, Jesus turns his attention to the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and he says, they don't worry. God takes care of them. But guess what? God values you more than he values the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. If God is going to take care of this flower that's just going to get thrown away tomorrow, don't you believe and know that he's going to take care of you? In this, we should be filled with wonder. Jesus contrasts our value to the the value of the birds and the flowers and says we are more valuable. Jesus here is inviting us to allow the wonder of creation to ensure us of God's love and God's care. And what I love about the Sermon on the Mount is that throughout the sermon, our eyes are open to the activity of God. In Matthew chapter 5, there's reference to how God sends both sun and rain upon the wicked and the good. God is the agency behind the sun and the rain. And then in Matthew chapter 6, earlier in this chapter, we've been reading about how God is present with us in the secret place. That he's present with us in the secret place. And here in in Matthew chapter 6, later on, talking about how God is feeding the birds of the air and clothing the lilies of the field. Friends, God is active in the world. He is up to something in the world, but our worry keeps us from having eyes that see God's activity. Our worry keeps us from allowing God's activity in the world to speak to us of his activity in our own lives. So from this section, I think we are encouraged to go for a walk, to look around you, to see what God is up to. It's this reality that our eyes become so fixed on our circumstances and we worry so much we forget to look up and to remember what God is doing. And as we come to communion this morning, we remember too what God has done. And we allow that to fill our hearts with wonder as we reflect on God's great love for us. And we're ushered from a posture of worry to one of trusting that God's got it. Well, Jesus goes on in verse 31 of this section. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, and what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So if the first tool is worship, the second is to be filled with wonder. I don't do this often, so have grace with me. Um, I'm trying to go with the W's, if you, if you haven't noticed. Uh, the third tool, do not worry, walk with Jesus. Do not worry, walk with Jesus. In this section, Jesus is contrasting his disciples those, to those who are not his disciples. If you're reading in the NIV, it doesn't say Gentiles, it says pagans. Um, So think, for our context, think Christian and non-Christian. If we were to directly maybe translate this. Those who trust Jesus and those who do not trust them. Those who walk with Jesus and those who do not walk with Jesus. And those who do not walk with Jesus, what do they do? Well, they walk around asking questions. (laughs) They worry. What will we eat? What will we drink? 
When will this pandemic end? When, when will our government get their act together? When will this happen? When will that happen? When will I have enough? Will I ever have enough? Jesus looks at the Gentiles or the pagans, as he's calling them, those who don't know God, and he's saying what is characteristic of them is to run around and worry and wonder whether or not they'll ever have enough. But friends, as disciples of Jesus, living not overcome by concern should be a distinguishing attribute. Living not overcome by concern should be a distinguishing attribute for us who are fathers, followers of Jesus. As our proper worship, as our sense of wonder continually propel us towards a perspective that overcomes our worry, that overcomes our anxiety, that overcomes our fussing. And this is what Jesus is getting at when he instructs us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Here he's not telling us to go looking for his kingdom or his righteousness. Remember, Jesus shows up on the scene and he declares, the kingdom of God is here. It's here. He invites us to make that kingdom, the teaching of God's word, to make it the center of our daily priority. To look in God's word to discover all that is good and beautiful and right and take that into the world around us. To make the furtherance of God's heart of love for humanity to be our priority and our ambition. And to bring that into whatever context that he has us working in. As we seek first his kingdom and his his righteousness, it centers all of our perspectives And when we do this, we actually become a witness and a light to the, to the Gentiles, <laughs> to the pagans, to those who do not know Jesus. Some of you wonder how you're supposed to have a witness in this world. How am I supposed to share my faith with, with those around me? Allow your life to be characteristic of someone who does not worry. There's someone in our church, I asked if I could share his story this morning, who very recently, this past year, has been incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, Due to the pandemic, he suffered job loss. Um, And then in this last year as well, his, his, his wife has left him. They're going through a separation. And because of that, there's been a lot more financial outfall in his, his life. And, uh, the church, we've been blessed to walk beside him through this time and, 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 and all of that. But if you asked him how he was doing, what would he say? <laughs> it sucks. This is tough. No. If you ask him how he's doing, he'll tell you he's doing well. Which will kind of boggle your mind, right? And this individual has every reason to be distressed, every reason to be anxious, every reason to worry, every reason to fuss. But that's not his disposition. And what's resulted in this, in the way that he's handled himself in this season, is someone he knows from work has said to him, hey, like, he's like, my life's falling apart. This pandemic's been really hard. And I look at your life, and I'm watching your life fall apart. And, but you're doing well. Me, I'm not doing so well. How are you doing so well in the midst of your situation? And this guy from our church has had the opportunity to sit down with this other individual and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. 
to share with him about his life of worship and wonder, to share with him about his life of walking with Jesus, and it becomes a witness to the world around him. It's amazing. But friends, that is the hope that we have as Christians. That is the peace that we have as Christians that passes all understanding where we don't choose the practice of worry. Rather, we choose worship, wonder, to walk with Jesus in the midst of it. And suddenly our lives are not characteristic of worry. It's rather characteristic of someone who is not overcome by worry. We become a witness. Well, there's one more verse in our passage which I think has our final tool in it, our our final practice. Verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here I think we have our final tool and our last W for you note takers. Do not worry, wait. Do not worry, wait. Okay, that's my weakest one. But let me explain it. It'll make sense. Do not worry. Wait. A favorite quote of mine is, Speculation is a thankless sport. Speculation is a thankless sport. I have no idea where I heard it. I think it was in a movie or something. And when I heard it, I was like, Ha! Yes! I love that. And I'm going to say something now that might offend some of you. But um, as a young parent with babies, something that kind of annoys me, maybe a bit of a pet peeve, is when people start talking about my my kids and they speculate about who my child looks like and who they will look like and how they might one day look and all this stuff. And, And I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it's a perfect example of speculation being a thankless sport because it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how much time they invest examining the child and and considering the shape of their nose or their ears. None of that matters. The child will look the way they will look, right? There's nothing that we can do to like change the way this kid is going to look or whether or not this kid will look more like me or Jolene or cousin Ed. Who knows, right? Speculation is a thankless sport. And that's what Jesus, I believe, is getting at. It's pointless to speculate about tomorrow. We can talk about it all we want, but our speculation, our worry, our anxiety about tomorrow will not deliver us anything of meaning. Nothing. So why do it? The more that we think about tomorrow, the more I think about COVID-19, the more I think about the pandemic, the more I think about how our government's handling, the more I think about hospitalizations, the more I think about vaccines, the more peace I feel. (laughs) No, no. If you're anything like me, the more we think about what's going on in the world, the more worried I feel. And I'm not inviting us to put our head in the sand. Rather, when we consider tomorrow, instead of rushing in tomorrow in our mind, we wait. Instead of running ahead and speculating on all that's going to happen, we wait. And as we wait, we battle worry. James chapter 4 verse 13 talks about this. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You know come now those who say COVID-19 will be done in January of 2021. (laughs) You do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. How is that for perspective? Wow. We can't speculate on tomorrow. I think a good verse or application passage for us, something to dwell on, Psalm chapter 46. I read this for our equip group on Monday night. Um, Psalm 46 is a beautiful psalm where it's describing chaos in the world. It talks about mountains being thrown into the depths of the sea. It talks about the nations raging. And what does God invite his people to? Be still and know that I am God. Wait. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, when we look around the world, we just want to rush into solving every problem, figuring everything out, and gripping our hands around it, and trying to control it, control it, control it. God is saying, wait, be still. Now, this does not result in everything working out the way that we think it should. Rather, it results in us seeing our situations, no matter what they are, from God's perspective. It helps us to experience fellowship with God and experience His peace and His joy no matter the circumstance. It equips us to navigate otherwise worry-inducing experiences. The application to a tool of, of not worrying but waiting is disciplines of silence and solitude. Coming before God with our worry, our concerns, and submitting our tomorrow to God. It's, you know, instead of researching all this stuff about COVID-19, it's, it's coming before God and saying, God, you know, I, I get nervous when I think about this pandemic. I get nervous when I think about my health. I get nervous when I think about my grandchildren or my children. Lord, help me to trust them with you. Help me to understand that you will be exalted in the earth. Unfortunately, our culture has cultivated a practice in us that we don't wait on God. Instead, we usually wait on Google. <laughs> we don't take our problems to God. We don't take our anxiety of God, our anxieties to God. We take our anxieties to the Google search bar. <laughs> and we start Googling everything about our health, about finances, about the economy, about our government, about COVID-19. And, and I feel like God's on the other side and he's saying, hey... Can you come here first? If you come here first, it's going to make that Google searching a lot better of an experience. Or maybe you won't do it at all. <laughs> but we think if we can just Google the right thing, we'll figure out the answers to our problems. And we rush to that. We rush past God. But God is waiting. So friends, these are our tools when we feel tempted to the practice of worry, we need to choose worship. When we feel tempted to the practice of worry, we need to allow our hearts to be filled with wonder. To see that God values and loves us in the way that he cares for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. He will care for us. And when we feel tempted to worry, we need to remember that we are people who are walking with Jesus. And that as we walk with him, we enter into that peace that passes, under, passes our understanding. We enter into that true hope. 
That when we feel tempted to worry, instead of worry, we choose to wait. And we come before God with our heavy hearts. And we submit it all to Him. Just a couple thoughts in close. Some of you who are listening, the word anxiety probably bears a lot of weight for you. Now, I personally do not believe that Jesus here is addressing an anxiety disorder. When we think about um, someone who's been prescribed medication for, for having an anxiety disorder, Jesus isn't talking to that. Um, my understanding of an anxiety disorder is that your brain kind of gets stuck in this place of worry. Um, and when you tell someone with an anxiety disorder that they need to think differently, that's the very thing they cannot do. Um, now, I don't want to talk much about anxiety in that context because I'm not a professional and I'm not someone who can speak to that very clearly. Um, however, I do want to say that you're not omitted from these tools that Jesus has for you. And for those of you who are struggling with, with um, diagnoses of anxiety or depression or um, obsessive compulsive disorder, my encouragement to you is to take these tools here that Jesus has for you and add it to your journey of, of looking for help and healing. That as, as you do the things the doctors called you to do, don't neglect your worship. Don't neglect your walking with Jesus. Don't neglect the waiting on the Lord. Look for help in his word. Pray for healing. But friends, I think in all of this, we see that worry robs us of our worship. It robs us of our sense of wonder. It robs us of our ability to walk in step with Jesus and our ability to wait on God. So let's not be people who are overcome by worry. Well, I think it is so appropriate for us to be closing this morning with communion. Hopefully you've had an opportunity to find the communion elements in your home. Because... So a protest that someone might have to a passage like this is, you know, sure, you're telling me not to worry, but do you see all that's going on in the world? Do you see my present situation? Do you see my present circumstance? And yeah, I, I get it. Like it's, it's hard. But what we remember in communion is what Jesus has done for us. We celebrate this morning an event that is fixed in the past. And as God clothes the lilies of the field, as he feeds the birds of the air, so too he has provided for us in the person of Jesus. He has provided for us the bread and the cup. And so this morning, as we receive this, I pray that you will be able to receive from God that reminder of what he has done for you. That he's already cared for you. He's already met you. He's waiting, ready to embrace you in whatever situation you have. Why? Because he went to the cross. He made a way for you to be brought back into perfect relationship. Let's prepare to take these together. I'm just going to pray and then lead us in communion. Father God, as simple as this teaching is, Lord, I know in my own life I find it so difficult to live it out. And Lord, it's so easy to be overcome by fear, overcome by worry, overcome by anxiety. 
But Lord, we do not want to be a people who are overcome by those things. We do not want to be a people known for our worry. Rather, we want to be a people known for our worship. We want to be people who are known for walking with you. So Father, thank you that you made that possible when you went to the cross. So God, as we look at these elements in our homes, we pray that you would bless them. And God, I pray that these symbols would remind us that you are one who has gone before and that you are with us in whatever situation we may be experiencing. Help us to receive these gifts from you this morning. In Jesus' name. For I received from the Lord that which was delivered to you, that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. And in the same way also, he took the cup. And after, after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup together. For, often, for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Lord, for the work that Jesus has done for us. We're just going to close with a song. I've asked Jolene to to sing a song which puts this this, uh, section of Scripture, the Do Not Worry passage, into music. And it's a beautiful song. we, uh, it's it's up from a kid's record um, called Rain for Roots. I'd encourage you to look it up, Rain for Roots, or on iTunes and all that. Uh, they got lots of great uh, Christian kids' music. Uh, and this song has really spoken to us, and it's just that invitation to do not worry. So I just invite you to sit and listen to these words, and maybe allow the worries in your life presently that you're feeling, allow them to come to mind. And as they come to mind, just take each one, And give it back to God. Take each one and give it back to God. And say, God, I do not want to be someone marked with worry. I want to know your peace. I want to know your hope. So allow the truth of of the words of this song to to wash over you as Jolene sings it. See the birds that are singing spring air are given everything they need they don't worry where their next meal will come from they don't worry about a thing so just look around you and try to listen to the song creation sings and don't you worry cause you're in the God who made everything Mm -hmm. 
see the flowers in their colorful beauty. They're dressed better than a king. They don't worry about what they should wear. No, they don't worry about a thing. So just look around you and try to listen to the song creation sings. And don't you worry, cause you're in the hands of the God who made everything. Cause you're not a bird and you're not a flower. You don't have petals or wings. You're worth so much more to the God who made everything. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. So when you worry about today or tomorrow. Storms that they might bring. Try to remember that you're in the hands of the God who made everything. Because you're you're not a bird and you're not a flower. You don't have petals or wings. But there is good news. You're worth so much more to the God who made every